1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN.
2: Cats a winner last night, 81-67 over the West Virginia Mountaineers. Cats break a four-game skid in Morgantown. They are now 12-3 and 2-0 in Big 12 play this season. But, but before you say something, Deej, by the way, welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, and Travion Birkland with us. On for an hour and a half. K-State women's basketball pregame starts at 5.30, tipping off at 6.02. I think it's 6.02 officially. Uh, the Cats taking on the Oklahoma Sooners in Bramlage. A. Oakley, 23 points away from 2,000 in her career. Last time she played against the Sooners in Bramlage, she scored 61. I can't wait to see what happens tonight. Live and in person, Deej, uh, hours ago you texted us saying you're going to probably be late and you show
3: up right as Travion plays the intro. Perfect timing. As they say in the bi- in the radio biz, I hit the post. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. grew up playing sports. Mm-hmm. When you're on time, you're late. You're late. If you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. I mean, is there a coach out there that has never said that? No. Yeah. There's never a coach has been like, ah! You know, ah! Whenever. It's fine. Eh. Hey, uh, meetings at four? You made at uh, 359. Good for you, baby. Great job. No. Another
2: common thing I've seen with the coaches, like if you're on the road with a coach, the head coach is the last one on the bus. Mm -hmm. If you get on the bus after the head coach, you're dead meat. You're in trouble. At the very least, the head coach is going to get up, talk to the bus, and make
3: it a very loud and verbal warning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I played high school ball under Butch Albright. Um, Clyde Butch Albright. If anybody knows Butch Albright, no, he was he would walk the locker room and all that stuff and make sure everybody got themselves on the bus, and he was the last guy getting on, the last guy getting on. Even the bus driver would get in there. (laughs) Yes, sir. He was the last man standing, and if you came on after him, dead. What was
2: what was the big punishment when you played high school football? You're late to practice. You forget a piece of equipment. Maybe you had some penalties in the prior game. Like I remember ours at Clay Center, you had to run 40-40s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the toughest thing in the world, but it was just it was basically extra practice, extra conditioning.
3: So we uh, gassers were were a good punishment and up downs. It was always up downs. Oh, up uh, I. I ax- when we were
2: doing two days, my sophomore year, um, I was late and I accidentally overslept. Oh, and I had to drive 10, 15 minutes to practice and then get dressed and get up there. And I tried sneaking onto the practice field. Mm. Coach Lane catches me, starts yelling. Oh, makes everybody aware, and I kind of played it dumb. Like, coach, or, what I told him was, "Coach, I told you that I was going to be late to practice," mm. and mm-hmm. he kind of stopped and looked, and he made me do up downs. Oh, yeah, and I probably did thirty, mm-hmm. and they got right up in my grill and says, "Don't be late again." Mm-hmm.
3: So yes, yeah, sir. Don't you ever try to lie about it either, and that's what coach just love. Coach loves being on top of somebody late. Trying to trying to scamper on his practice field after warmups. Are you? What are you crazy? Got my
2: face yelled at me. I thought it was in Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, a Sergeant got after me.
3: Hey
1: Travion, you want to hit the breaking news button there? Uh oh. Breaking news. Chris Lowe at ESPN reporting that Alabama head coach Nick Saban has had a team meeting today. ...to announce his retirement.
3: Whoa! Wow! Wow, wow, we wow, were
1: wow. They're coming after climbing. You already know it, guys. Oh, dear God. This could be the fall of the SEC. Uh, someone was already joking. Belichick.
3: <laughs> well, they are buddies, right? right? So, yeah. No, what they're going to do is get together. What they're going to do is they're going to get Mac Brown to step down... And then Bill Snyder's going to come along as well. They're going to form the oldest coaching staff in America, and they're going to just dominate. They're going to go to Washington State. Nick Saban, Pete Carroll,
2: um, they're both 72. Wow. Because Pete Carroll also no longer head coach in Seattle.
1: And if you want to really get into the weird and the history, Belichick taking the Jets job for all of one day returns to the Patriots. After,
3: yeah,
1: uh, Big Bill Parcells stepped down as the head Jets head coach, and it was Pete Carroll who then took the Jets job. Wow,
3: I didn't know he ste- he's got fired today. I, I had no idea.
1: Essentially pushed into I
2: mean, a, was a uh, Paw Patrol, yeah, pushed, yeah. pushed upstairs. Pushed. Yeah, he he still has an office job, but he's no longer head coach. Oh, oh my god! Or maybe they'll just. I don't know, like maybe just Bill Snyder and like, he can, he, you know, he can obviously have a say about, you know, some not obviously day to day or anything with the actual football program, but maybe some saying ring of honor stuff. I don't know. You know, sure. Things like that. And also be an analyst. That's that will be Pete Carroll's job. He'll make some wow. decent bucks. Uh, Nick Saban is actually a month younger than Pete Carroll with Pete Carroll. My lasting memory of his head coaching will not be the Seattle Seahawks. It'll be the Trojans. Oh, forever. <laughs> Depending on your, um, you know, however old you are, the generation you grew up, USC, you probably remember two things: OJ Simpson <laughs>
3: <laughs> or
2: the Pete Carroll run, where they won six BCS bowl mm-hmm. games, won a national championship. Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, asterisk, Eric.
3: Mm-hmm. lost to K State twice.
1: Asterisk, Reggie Bush. Lost,
3: lost the K State twice.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Harris Newman. Guys, it's Wednesday. And you know what that means?
3: Oh, hold up a second. You know what that means? AEW. Go ahead. Is in. Where do you think? Kansas City tonight. Oh,
1: no, nope, 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 nope,
3: nope. It's in Pittsburgh tonight. <laughs> It is in Jacksonville tonight. Uh-huh. Oh, they need to... right need. after
2: the Jaguars
3: were eliminated yeah. from the playoffs. They need something to feel good about. WWE trolls
2: go. Tony Khan on
3: Twitter. Oof. That's a bad. That's horrible timing, man. That's bad timing. Right after, and then right after the troll job, then they show a. Oh, it's the fifth anniversary show for AEW.
2: We're supposed to have Derek Young on right now. He's a little late getting to us. He's pretty busy right now, so I, I totally understand if he's a little late getting to us. Um, but we can go ahead and just discuss what we were going to lead off with anyway, and that's the Cats beating the Mountaineers last night, eighty-one forty-seven. Troy, the game ended at like eight ten. Did you stay up for
1: it? Uh, no, I was in bed by seven fifteen last Good night. Lord, wow, wow.
3: That's good. Listen, I I uh,
1: thought you
2: went to bed at
1: 8. Well, I normally do. I went to bed a little early last night. A, we were down by 2 at halftime. Yeah. And B. That's enough to shut it off? Well, no. It was for Monica. (laughs) Uh, But B, it was also, you know, two days full of uh, snow closures and staying on top of the weather on the morning show. And so. I gave myself a little bit of a window to go to bed early last night. All
2: right, we are joined by Derek Young from K-Stown Line. D.Y., uh, did you get your money back for the flight you were able to take to Morgantown?
0: Yes, I, I, have, I have a travel credit. I don't know what the exact uh-huh. amount is. I'm assuming it's 100%, so it's not necessarily money back, more of a travel credit.
2: You were going to fly out of MHK?
0: Yeah, I was, and, and I had you know very strong doubts as to— that flight happening i think it actually did but not until probably 12 16 hours later or 12. maybe not no well probably six seven hours later i think it took off around noon when it was supposed to be a five thirty a.m flight just because the night before because you know the plane that we used for that first flight to dfw comes in that night the night before from dfw and it couldn't even fly into manhattan so it diverted to tulsa so they were stuck That play was stuck in Tulsa until I think almost noon. Mm
2: -hmm. All right, we got off to a little bit of a late start here, so I'm going to kind of speed things up a little bit, kind of skip over a few preliminary questions about the game. I mean, we all know Cats won, had a much better second half defensively, had a consistent night of uh, scoring the basketball. I got to say, you know, K-State I thought did a good job of taking advantage of what West Virginia was missing. In that game yesterday, and that was Jesse Edwards. They did not have their starting five. They didn't really have anybody else that could truly fill that role. Uh downstairs. So you had Will McNair score twelve and David Gasson, he scores 17 points. He goes seven and eight from the field, but he's been playing really good defense. In this last stretch, how underrated has David Gasson been?
0: I you know, I said it on the three mall show with uh Cole Manbeck this morning. You can make an argument and perhaps even an easy one. I don't know if how you guys feel about it that David Gasson's kind of been the team MVP over the course of the last three or four weeks because without his defensive versatility, his rebounding, his defensive performance just in general, he's one of the best defenders in the Big 12. He should be on the all-Big 12 first-team defense this year, in my opinion, and he can guard just about anyone on the floor at any spot on the floor. Now you're starting to get a little offense from him, I think, because they're using him better on that end of the, the floor But he is just, you know, what he is giving them is consistency, and they know exactly what they're going to get from him every single night, and it's the things that they need from him. I don't know that you can say that about another player on the roster in terms of that level of consistency. And you nailed it on the head. I mean, if you want to kind of put it down to one point of why can't State beat West Virginia, they were the better team on the interior. You mentioned 12 points from Will McNair, but he also had nine rebounds. 23 or 17 points from David Hassan. He had seven rebounds. Even Jarrell Colbert was one of the better players on the floor. When he entered the game and played on the interior, I think he had two blocks and four rebounds.
2: I think uh, for Will McNair, this last game, and I love Will McNair when he's playing well. He's one of my more favorite Wildcats to watch when he's playing well. Uh, He really can look good. He had a great catch, that one-handed catch to get that last. I think it was his last points of the game. For Will, he didn't have a block in the game. Ended a streak of seven straight games with a block Hmm. Um, for Will McNeil. David Gasson, in three of the last four games, has scored in double figures. The game he didn't was against UCF, but he still had 14 rebounds. Um, Another really fun uh, part about this recent run for K-State, they blow out a couple of uh, teams that. We consider will maybe struggle, or we think they're going to struggle a little bit, of course, in the Big 12 this year. And UCF and West Virginia, we'll see how West Virginia improves over the weeks uh, before K-State sees them again. But Dorian Finister, six points in the last couple of games. He's been getting a lot more minutes. The last three games we saw Taj Manning against Chicago State uh, play some uh Pretty strong minutes Andrew Colbert last night comes in what I, I'm surprised there's only five minutes and 40 seconds. I swore he played longer than that and he was really good. I thought in those five minutes and change with no points, but he had four rebounds he had two blocks and an assist. that's been fun and it's been cool to see Dorian grow as a player. but there's also a concern that Buddy Rich RJ Jones we've barely seen them play recently. Day-Day Ames is playing. He's in the rotation, but he's not scoring the basketball. He's having a really rough time shooting the ball. So uh, what outweighs the other, the encouragement of Finister, Manning, and Colbert or the concern about Buddy Rich, day Ames, and R.J. Jones?
0: You know what? Um, the way I see it is that it's taking steps forward. They're making strides in that capacity at this point. Just because, you no, know, I think it was like two or three games ago where the only people to come off the bench for Kansas State were Dada Day, Ames and Dorian Finister. You asked Jerome Tang, you know, why Why is that the case or why are we seeing more Dorian Finister at this point? And he lays out the things that he's getting from Dorian Finister, Dorian Finister that he's not getting from the other bench guys. And that's why they're not getting the minutes that they've been accustomed to or are expecting to. But what I saw last night and even in the first two games against UCF and West Virginia is some guys starting to get that message because you mentioned Jarrell Colbert he flashes against West Virginia Taj Manning a couple games ago flashed against Chicago State coach Tang also shared why Taj Manning got those minutes because of his selflessness you know being willing to go on the scout team for that particular week just because he wanted to help the team any way he could well last night Jarrell Colbert has the two two blocks, four rebounds, in only five minutes. You could tell that as soon as he got on the floor, he wanted to deliver Coach Tang some of the stuff that he'd been searching for just because he wants to be on the floor. R.J. Jones got minutes against West Virginia, and he made a couple wrong decisions, but I thought those wrong decisions were born out of him trying very, very hard, playing very, very hard. You could tell that he heeded the message from Coach Tang He wanted to do anything he could to prove to the coaching staff that he belonged on the floor. So for me, I'm getting the impression and sensing that the rest of the bench is starting to hear Coach Tang and buy into what he's saying and doing what it takes to get on the floor and stay on the floor.
2: Did last night confirm for Tyler Perry that game in and game out, we just don't know exactly what Tyler Perry we're going to get?
0: I think it's fair to say at this point, um, but he does affect the the game in a positive way. and contributes to winning for Kansas State in more ways than one. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't just have to be a scorer or a three-point shooter. But being a scorer and a three-point shooter is the most significant way that he can help Kansas State. Here's, here's for me, at the end of the day, a, a takeaway that I think is a powerful one that needs to be heated, and it's two players. Tyler Perry and Arthur Columa never should turn down an open look from three. Those two are capable of shooting 40% from three every single night. Arthur Columa is almost a 40% three-point shooter right now. Whenever they get any daylight from the three-point line, they should be taking it.
1: One of the things that stands out to me in the discussion about Perry is how much of that is because you don't have Quez Glover as a running mate for him in the backcourt right now.
0: I would agree because he has to play on the ball more, but I just want him to take the shots that he does get open. Sure. That would be my, my thing. But I he is trying to be so selfless, so unselfish, because he wants to be that point guard for this team. And I think he can accomplish both of those things. I can I think he can do that, but also take the open looks he's getting.
2: Speaking with Derek Young from K-State Online, a couple of more, a couple things I just want to mention here real quick. You mentioned Arthur Kaluma there, D.Y., he finished with 17 points. Made up for the lack of three-point hits for Tyler Perry. He was four of six from three. I think I saw from Tyler Perry that really the last two games, it was obvious against UCF, just the shots were falling. He was more aggressive with his shot. He was willing to take a little bit more of a contested three to see if he can knock it out. He can knock those shots down. He just wasn't hitting the shots. Um, against West Virginia but man is he consistent with assists I mean five more assists against West Virginia Um, so that part of his game surely has been um, consistent so next three here DY is at Texas Tech Baylor and Oklahoma State obviously these next two games are going to be more of a challenge but how doable is it for K-State to finish this first five games of Big 12 play four and one
0: I think it's pretty significant, uh, more so because of what it means. And you can just got to look at it from a resume standpoint, too, right? So, look, one of those three games is home against Oklahoma State. You lose that, that's a bad loss. I mean, that, I might as well be a quad three loss at this point. It, it might be if you were to lose that. So you have to beat Oklahoma State at home. But split even I just said, man, you could split this, these next two games. It doesn't matter which one you win, in my opinion. At Texas Tech, home against Baylor, they're both going to be quad one get, wins anyway. Then you're sitting there, if you take care of business at home against Oklahoma State, you're 4-1 in the Big 12. Yeah, you're doing it because you're taking advantage of a weaker part of your schedule, but that just lessens the margin for error, right? It puts you in the conversation of the best teams in the Big 12. And even if it's a little bit of fool's gold, and it might be if that is the case, it's just – What that means inside the locker room, because once you start to feel better about yourself, you get more confident, you play better. And then for even if it came about from being fortunate, now you're ready to compete against some of the best of the best night in and night out because you're feeling better about yourself because you were able to take advantage and prove to yourself that you're a team that can contend atop the Big 12.
2: We'll take our first break. D.Y. will join us when we come back. We'll jump into some uh, recruiting talk after these words on the game. Well, it took 10 minutes. Chris Kleiman's already up for the Alabama job.
1: (laughs) God, I hope not. I'm reporting it. It's you. Yeah. You're, the,
2: you're the one uh, out the there source. reporting the
3: information. Yeah, I got the source, guys.
2: We're back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, and Travion Berkeley. I'm leaving right before the end of the first hour to head to Bramlage Coliseum. Also planning the voice of the Chiefs. Mitch Holtz is here on in a few moments as well. Back with Derek Young from KCN Line. We're going to squeeze in some recruiting questions. Before I let you go here, d y. Let's start on the football side of things. Obviously, you need out of the portal is a wide receiver, maybe a couple of them. Penn State six foot wide receiver, Dante Cephas. I think is how you say his last name. um had over two hundred yards, a couple of touchdowns for Penn State this year. A couple of years ago in twenty one for Kent State, he had over twelve hundred yards receiving. Um, I know he was in town right not too long ago. Is there anything we should know about this recruitment? Does K-State have a good shot at landing him?
0: Yeah, that's probably the thing to know, that this is a serious recruitment, and as of now Cephas hasn't even visited anywhere else, and I'm not sure there's plans for him to, although you guys alluded to the, this Alabama coaching vacancy thing uh, with Nick Saban sounds like he's retiring. Right, If that happens, a whole bunch of Not just coaching dominoes, but recruiting dominoes happen too. I doubt it ultimately comes down to and and affects the Dante Cephas thing. But that's something to just take into consideration with everything that we're probably about to say because college football, a whole lot of chaos is about to ensue. But at this point, according to what I have learned, I would be shocked if Kansas State didn't land the Penn State wide receiver transfer.
2: I, you know, where is K State right now in trying to find a, another defensive lineman or maybe even an offensive lineman? Have there, has there been much traction there lately in trying to find those positions in the portal?
0: Yeah, they already got Easton Kilty on the offensive line. I think they'd like another. Um, they've already added you know a junior college transfer and an Austin P transfer along the defensive line and Travis Bates. I think they need more defensive line help but we just haven't seen a whole lot surface at this point. Is it, you know, the pool of talent is limited, or perhaps K-State doesn't agree that they need another detail. I mean, that's always uh, the potential conclusion to take as well. But for all intents and purposes, it's pretty quiet on that front. On the
2: basketball side, I believe it was on three that first reported this, and that is 2025 point guard recruit. He's a four-star kid out of the state of Texas in king grace that he'll be taking an unofficial visit uh which will be the uh the, the day of the oklahoma state home game which is in 10 days on the 20th in january anything significant about this recruitment
0: you know i think it's just starting really so i think the legs are just starting to turn on that one but obviously this is a sign that kansas state is a legitimate player for his services um Probably more of a combo guard, similar to David Castillo. And in that light, just look at his rankings in the 2025 class. Very, excuse me, very similar to where David Castillo is positioned in the 2024 class. Of course, David Castillo, a K-State signing at a sunrise right now, started his basketball career, Bartlesville, Oklahoma. So if you're wanting kind of a like a ranking neighborhood of where this guy is positioned and and where he plays, it's very similar uh, to the kind of player that Kansas State landed a year ago in David Castillo.
2: All right, D Y. Before we let you go, the last question is: The Kansas Jayhawks play at UCF tonight. Ku uh, now the front runner to be the next week's number one team in the country. Houston loses last night at Iowa State. No longer an undefeated team left in uh, Division One college basketball. Purdue, the number one team, loses at Nebraska
0: of all places last night. Hey, the Huskers got
2: something going in Lincoln this year. That makes that home blowout second half at the hands of Nebraska not look so bad, but it still really sucks. Don't get me wrong there. That (laughs) still really sucks. Um, Do you give UCF a shot at beating KU tonight?
0: I don't, but the line makes me think it's going to be closer than we're all expecting. It's only a six and a half. What, KU's a six and a half point favorite? Yep.
1: Really? I hadn't even looked that's how overwhelming I thought it would be.
0: It's a, It sounds like a sucker line because we all see that. We'd all take KU minus six and a half and feel really, really good about it. And I guarantee you that's what everyone's thinking. And I bet 95% of the bets are that. But typically when that happens, Vegas gets everybody.
2: You have one of the better uh, offensive rebounding teams in UCF against the worst rebounding uh, offensive rebounding team in the Big 12 against Kansas tonight. Uh, that tips off at 6 o'clock ESPN Plus game. D.Y., appreciate it. Thank you for your time. We'll talk again next week. As always. Derek Young from Case in Line, also the 3Maw Podcast, which you can find that surely wherever you get your podcast, And also, I watch it on YouTube. I like, I like watching the YouTube podcasts. Plus, of course, a co-host Power Powercat Game Day.
3: Yeah. You like supporting the you know your buds. That's cool. I check out everybody's work. Mhm. It's really nice. Troy, you got anything on the side? Any. Podcast or
1: YouTube? No, it? no. I just kind of, you know, put my ugly mug on uh, reels, on reels in the morning. At this point, <laughs> oh yeah, the
3: Facebook stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's been
1: good. Get, get yelled at that people wake up to that in the morning, and it's like, you know, sorry guys. Yeah, go ahead and give I, us. A, I am what I am.
2: Give us your Facebook reels uh preview for tomorrow's morning show right now. Can you give us a preview uh, of, the, yeah,
1: of the of the preview reel? Yeah, you know what? Given that it is the story of the week. Mother Nature's coming at us with a very crisp Ugh. yeah, more stretch of, oof.
2: And it's if, just going to be nasty. If you want more of that, friend Troy Coverdale on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. All
2: right, let's take a break. When we come back, it is playoff time in the NFL. Chiefs and Dolphins, Saturday at 7.15 from Arrowhead Stadium. We'll preview that matchup with the voice of the Chiefs. Mitch Holtis, next. At a frigid Arrowhead Stadium on Saturday night, wild card round, Kansas City Chiefs-Miami Dolphins meeting up in the NFL playoffs 2024. We're now joined by the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, that is Mitch Holtis. Mitch, before we uh, take a look at the Dolphins for the second time, just a quick thought on the Week 18 victory over the Chargers, 13-12, where, of course, there's a number of starters Sitting out like a Patrick Mahomes, they gave some other guys an opportunity to play a little bit more. Encouraged by the performance of a guy we haven't talked about in a while, Felix Andy Dike Uzama with those three tackles and two TFLs.
4: Absolutely, it was. Uh, there's more value to that game than fans want to give it. Uh, just because, oh gosh, Mahomes and Kelsey aren't playing, I'm not going to pay attention. And truthfully, there was a, a lot that could be impacted even as soon as this week uh from that game. And Felix, his play, especially on the attempted jet sweep that they had where he stayed home and got a tackle for loss for five yards, was his biggest play other than his half sack so far in his rookie year. Also don't overlook, (laughs) excuse me, Echo Boido, who has played a lot on special teams and also got some scrimmage downs is a as a dime back in that game. Uh and those two guys, most notably Boido could have more of an effect on Saturday night because he was one Dave hub over in his role as a potential uh, and very effective gunner on punt coverage.
2: You know, the offense has obviously had its struggles um, with, you know, the wide receivers other than Rasheed Rice. I think maybe the biggest storyline other than that for the offense has been the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift relationship. It's been a fantastic year, in my opinion, for, the Chiefs defense. Second best defense in the NFL in scoring. I was looking at the numbers earlier today. I was going to ask the boys this question a little later on. In the regular season, who was your defensive MVP? Do you go straight to Chris Jones, or is there somebody else you're considering?
4: It'd be hard to go past Legarius Sneed, where he allowed no touchdowns. Um, and Uh, only one long pass play against him all season, and he played against, uh, I mean, he had a gauntlet of wide receivers that he was going against. I mean, think about it, Justin Jefferson and Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams, and he just go up and down the line and to Tyreek Hill in the game in Germany. And he has just turned into an elite corner. Trent McGuffey would not be far behind, and then I'd have Chris Jones in there. But then there's other guys, uh, that George Karlathis would be a high honorable mention in to answer this question because he's had a spectacular year. Overall, this is a defense that's good at all three levels and good at both corner and safety. And they can defend the run and the pass. I mean, you look at not allowing 20 points as much as they have, uh, this season. They were, they only allowed 120 points in the second halves of games this season. That led the NFL by far and. Uh, It's just easy to overlook that sometimes.
2: Playoff start, of course, this weekend. As I said earlier, Chiefs and Dolphins meeting for the second time. First round was in Germany, and the Chiefs won that game 21-14. Certainly a difference in halves there. This could be a very cold game. What do you think the reaction, though, of the Chiefs fans will be when Tyreek Hill emerges from that tunnel?
4: Mixed... There'll be some that'll think, gosh, you know what? He helped us win Super Bowl 54, and he was spectacular 2016 to 2021, and you know, arguably the top receiver in Chiefs history, if not for Taylor. So there'll be some of that. But there'll also be, you know, he didn't handle this great. He was taking shots at Mahomes so that people would get some attention to his podcast. And this is a franchise that saved Tyreek twice. His franchise or his career wouldn't even have started without the Chiefs. And then, don't forget draft night of 2019 when it became very gnarly of the accusations made against him. It's like the NFL has forgotten about all that. And and uh, the Chiefs were very very involved in trying to get to the truth of the matter and supporting Tyreek, were very different than Oklahoma State when there was similar. Uh, allegations and even charges brought, and he had, he had to make a plea bargain. Um, in fact, we were criticized for drafting him in, in 2016. But Oklahoma State says, well, oh, that's it. No tolerance, you're out of here. And where the chief said, okay, we're going to get to the bottom of this, try to help you, try to get the truth on two different instances. And then he kind of disses the team when he goes to Miami. Um, uh, a little bit of, I think, just to get the tension, to his podcast and his his uh, marketing efforts. And that was disappointing. I mean I'll hug him when we have a Super Bowl reunion, but there'll be a side of me that'll have to count to ten and go, "What? Well, why were you we disimpact? Like I mean we targeted the guy a lot. And there was just some reaction from him that I hope was just his agent saying, hey say something outrageous, which won't doesn't take a lot of encouragement for Tyreek to do that. And then do that, and then we'll get a lot of attention to our website and to our uh, podcast.
2: Speaking with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. As I mentioned, Chiefs won the first meeting against the Dolphins 21-14. Uh, and this is, of course, I asked the last question, assuming I would expect Tyreek Hill to play, even though he got banged up in that previous game against the Bills. I mean, Dolphins, just like a lot of the other teams, are are very banged up. They are especially on the defensive side with, I think they're missing three def- three different defensive ends. Guys are out in the secondary. Um, So with those guys banged up, but we know that the Dolphins can be a dangerous team, of course. So what's your thoughts on the Dolphins heading into this game?
4: Well, Mitch, every thought that we have, and I can give you just gobs of data, it's really predicated on the weather in this game. I mean, this will be, I think, when it's all going here. The coldest postseason game in Kansas City Chiefs history. Hmm. And one of the coldest in NFL history. You're talking 11 degrees at kickoff with wind chills at minus 17. Okay, that affects the game. I, I don't want... I don't know how cold it was in the Iowa State game, but think about that game. Now, it's going to be way colder than that, and there'll still be, you know, be snow on the ground, but I don't think it'll be like that one. When, when, but think about that game. That game became about tackling. And K-State couldn't tackle that Abu-Sama guy, whatever it was, it ran for 55,000 right. yards. Okay, so think about the elements in that game. Didn't the elements kind of dictate almost everything in that game? That's the way this is going to be. Now, that being said, the one of the characteristics of the uh, Dolphins is their ability to quick strike. They're the quickest strikingest team in the NFL. Hear me on this one. They have 108 points off quick strike drives, which is defined as uh, scoring plays of four snaps or less. They have 108 points off quick strike drives. The next closest team is San Francisco with 77. This Miami team loves to play downhill, and they try to get ahead of you and try to knock you out early with some big plays, and the Chiefs did exactly the opposite against them in Germany, getting up 21 to nothing. Here's another stat. The Dolphins have led at halftime 12 of the 17 games this year. They're 11-1 in those games. The only loss was last week to Buffalo. They're 0-5 when they trail at half. You get ahead of them and make them play the way the Chiefs made them play in Germany, you beat them. They hate it. But they want to get an RPO, quick play, touchdown to Tyreek or Waddle. And are most dangerous is their running game because they're so explosive in it. The most explosive run team uh, in the NFL, we did not see Devon Achan in Germany, and he might be the fastest guy in the league right now. He was four three two in the combine this past year, and he was the fastest guy in the combine. And so either as a receiver or as a runner, he's very dangerous. But there's no team in the league that gets more chunk runs, and I mean 30-, 40-, 50-yard runs from Mostert or H.N. like the Dolphins.
2: Does your booth have a uh, its own thermostat? Do you get to say how warm or cold it is in the booth?
4: No, um, it's, you know, Kansas City has got a great tradition of architecture, uh, but they didn't do so great in this booth um, or that whole ninth level, 14 stories above the field. Uh, But it'll be warm and toasty. It's a first-world problem, so I'm not going to. But I do do a field pass pregame show on the field uh, about two hours before the game, and that will be a little frosty. Uh, but we're talking, you know, we're talking minus, it could be minus 20 windfield in the second half.
1: You mean you're not pulling the uh, Larry Zimmer, Dave Logan task of having the windows open for the broadcast
4: when it's single digits? Oh, my man, we have done mini games like <laughs> that. So, you can't, uh, if I sat down and wrote you, you saw the video out with me reading the book. Yes. Right, that's the, yeah. I yeah. could have another episode of me reading the book, <laughs> Cold Weather Football Games and Broadcasting thereof. So let's don't think Uncle Mitchie skipped that part of it.
1: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fully aware. I just had to chuckle about yeah. it. Uh, God, I, got, I think it's great. I got a chance to booth.
3: go. Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
4: No, open the windows from the booth. Like got windows <laughs> not open never happen. <laughs> and that's, that's problematic with sure with the sound that we have to drink. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah.
3: I got a chance to go to the 93. AFC I think 93 or 94 AFC wild card it was the Chiefs and Steelers and that was a oh, cool one. You good? I was in I think I was in 3rd grade and I got the opportunity okay. to go and I remember Nick Lowry kicked the game winner um, but people were giving Joe Montana a hard time cuz the first half he was wearing gloves and he was off he couldn't hit anybody, and they kept yelling, Take the gloves off, Joe! He comes out in the second half, no gloves on. What do you know? Chiefs come back and win. Do you think if Pat Mahomes starts out slow with gloves, do we see no-glove Pat Mahomes second half?
4: I, I trust Pat Mahomes if he wore catcher's <laughs> <laughs> So let me give you some stats here that might just enlighten your show. Um we, okay, first of all, the Dolphins on the road in the playoffs in the last 50 years, okay, this is going back to Vince Gibson era, um, and honestly, this is their first visit in Kansas City since the 1971 longest game ever played, um, but the Dolphins are 1-11 on the road in the playoffs in the last 50 years. Their only win was at Seattle in the wild card in 2000. Under 40 degrees, the Dolphins have lost 10 straight games. You've probably seen mm-hmm. that in Pula. Is zero and three in games under forty degrees? The aforementioned Patrick Mahomes wearing catcher's mitt on both hands <laughs> is is twenty and six in such games, and in the playoffs is nine and one in temperatures under forty degrees. There's some East Texas toughness to the man. I'm going to trust him and let him rip. And uh, just I'm telling you, if he wants to wear oven mitts, fine, buddy. Go get him cause <laughs> i a I've seen him do it before. Not where Robert have but win games like this.
2: Well, the Peacock uh, app has paid a ton of money for the exclusive rights television-wise for this game, but if you want to listen to it for free, listen to Mitch Holtz's here on K-Man. 7-15 kick, pregame starts at 6 here on K-Man. Mitch, as always, we appreciate your time, and hopefully we're talking about a Chiefs win next week.
4: We just got the ratings. Uh, we're the highest-rated uh, broadcast in the National Football <laughs> League. Man, 25-54 to 54 is 60 share, which is ridiculous. It will be our largest network audience in history wow. on Saturday night. Yeah. Um, and playoffs are big anyway, even if they're on television. Um, but the fact that it's on Peacock and people are like, "What do I get on Peacock if I buy it?" Other than, "Why don't I get reruns of Park and Rec?" You know, <laughs> the I get Office. The Office. <laughs> you know, not you know. Ww. No, no, not going to do it because people will do it to buy the game at six ninety five or whatever it is. And then they'll forget about it, and they get charged for four more months. Hey, did you cancel Peacock? <laughs> oh crap! So, you know, so they're like, no, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. And so, if it's Amazon Prime or Paramount or like you get on Netflix, you get the quarterback series. I don't want to watch Parks and Rec, you know, and binge on it. So I'm not going to buy Peacock either. I think it's, I think it's this is an attempt of NBC to try to make Peacock viable, where I think yeah. they're a little bit desperate. So
2: anyway, well, Mitch, if you know me, a combo of Chiefs and then the Royal Rumble in a couple of weeks isn't a bad
1: deal at all.
4: Oh, <laughs> sign, sign me up, and I'll start
1: doing this. I mean, uh... if Free Radio remains unbeaten. Yes,
4: it does, and uh, we'll try to bring the best free radio broadcast possible on Saturday night.
2: Mitch, thank you for your time. We'll talk again soon. See, hey, boys. It's Mitch, Folt- Mitch Holtz's voice. The Chiefs here on the game. Let's take a break here on the game.
1: Closing in on the top of the hour, Mitch mentioned that we'll have the Chiefs game for you Saturday night. So, Saturday breaks down with K-State women's basketball as they play host to Texas, followed by the men visiting Texas Tech, followed by Chiefs football. Wow. Then turn around on Sunday, a triple header of NFL playoff action.
3: Wow. So just keep K-Man on. All weekend long, is what you're saying.
1: Plus, we'll have your best weather updates, all of the details that you'll need to know on the cold snap that's passing through the area. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, what else you need? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So, we've got you covered this weekend. Whether it's the weather, whether it's the news, whether it's the sports. I mean, just like any other day, but... Uh Coming up, we've got about a half an hour of us just bantering, because (laughs) Mitch is out to watch the Cats in action tonight out at Bramlage. We'll set the scene a little bit for that matchup between the K-State women and Oklahoma as we continue into the 5 o'clock hour on the game.